Welcome to the Biscuit Podcast. Before we get on with today's podcast, I just want to give a massive thanks and give a massive shout out to our sponsors that are RuneSilk.com, the Repaired Care Company, and Tenga.co.uk, the Resex Toy Company. With both these companies, you can get 10% off your orders or order by using the code TINBISCUIT at checkout. That's the code TINBISCUIT, capital T, capital B. Thank God that's out of the way. So we've got a new guest today. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what it's all about? Hello, uh, my name is Lilith. I am part of the NHS 100K team. Um, we are a bunch of uh, ambulance crew who got together last November um, as the vaccine mandates kind of tore the care sector apart. So we just got together and uh, we decided to set up the NHS 100K to get all the NHS staff together so that we could fight against vaccine mandates so it would never occur in society. No, you like say that. So in the news last week or the week before, isn't uh, hasn't the mandates been scrapped or is there something else going on behind that or or has it just been delayed? So originally we thought that it was delayed. Uh, it's looking quite good for us in that the government is looking to totally scrap it, which is quite exciting. Uh, so they just have to go through their procedures and tick boxing, really. So um, they are doing their public consultation, which is out now. Uh, and the deadline is the 16th of February. Uh, and once that's through, uh, they will vote to revoke the mandate. Uh, and hopefully we will never, ever see vaccine mandates again. No, it's a bit of a crazy thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> it's a it's a bit. Um, well, um why aren't you taking the vaccine? Is... Uh, so I I hate COVID and I hate anything to do with COVID. Um, but my, one of my reasons for not taking the vaccine was I was reading up on mRNA technology. And uh, some of the uh, journals that I was reading um, basically were saying that these mRNA technology, uh, you know, quotable <laughs> vaccinations, um, they were in production for a good 20 years and they were trialed on cancer patients. And what those researchers found was that the uh, the risks were outweighed the benefits. So in terms of all the risks that were involved with the mRNA, mRNA technology, the benefits were very minuscule in comparison. And we're, we're seeing that now. So some of the side effects were, you know, your blood clots, your uh, pulmonary edema, your autoimmune disease. Uh, these were thing, issues that uh, cancer patients were having. And we're seeing that now in the community with this mass vaccination that's happening. So that's why I didn't, I chose not to take it. Hello? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Hello? Hello? Right, cool. No, what happened there was I had my <laughs> I had my microphone on um silent. Um do you think there's a connection between a lot of heart attacks that are going on in the sporting world to the vaccination or do you think it's just coincidence at the minute uh i think that uh there is a lot more reports on heart attacks that's going on but i don't know how much of that is because i'm in the world where we're a bit more aware of it so 
I mean, we have uh, uh, that cardiologist who's been speaking up about it. The um, I think his name is uh, Ahim, Dr. Right. Ahim, I think it is. Yeah, so he's saying that there is something that's happening out there. And uh, not me personally, but I've heard from work colleagues, they've noticed an increase in heart attacks. But they believe that it's more related to COVID. So we do have this uh, skewed perception of uh, what could be causing these heart attacks. Yeah, you say you hated COVID or I might hate COVID. Do might you believe COVID is a real thing or do you think it's a made up or do you think it's a rebrand of the flu? So I'm a paramedic. So on the front lines, we did see uh, this virus do some damage to certain types of people. So uh, what I saw was mainly older people or people who had comorbidities, like they were obese, they had heart problems, they were diabetic. Uh, they weren't well people anyway, and they would have been affected by cold and flu. Um, there were certain presentations in COVID which were different from normal colds and flus that we saw. So we, we call it like a happy hypoxia, where their oxygen levels are very low, uh, but they're what we call a GCS of 15. So they're able to sit up and talk to you and have a good normal conversation. But you could see that you know, they, they had high respirate and very low saturations, and maybe they had high heart rates as they were compensating. Um, so I don't doubt that this is, uh, a real thing. I just think I, I have more of a problem with the restrictions that were involved. I found they were more detrimental than the disease itself. And there were uh, procedures and policies that were released uh, around COVID that didn't make sense to me. Um, so my problem lies more with the uh, implementation of policies around it. Yeah, the mask things. Um interests me because like at the very start of the like pandemic they said masks didn't work then halfway through they changed the narrative but surely masks would be classed as a biohazard material but we've never seen a biohazard bin or a medical waste bin in the streets or the shops we haven't had a proper video from the government to sell to dispose of them or correctly wear them what's some like you what's like your view of masks so initially, I I did think that masks were a good idea because my previous experience with colds and flus was that people tend to cough without covering their mouths. And that's how I got sick in the job, because we were going to patients with cold and flus and they would just cough all over you. And even before COVID, I was putting masks on my, my patients because I didn't want them to pass it on to me. Um, but I was always laughed at in hospitals, funnily enough, because every time I entered a hospital with a patient who had a mask on, they just laughed and took the mask off. Um, but it, it is a basic kind of uh, infection precaution where you, you, you're you meant to cover your mouth to stop the spread of your the germs and stuff. But you are right as well. With a virus, you should be wearing PPE like you see, um, you know, you see medical teams out dealing with Ebola. That's also a virus um, and a very deadly one. And the, the only way to stop the infection is through big biohazard suits like you see with, you know, people dealing with Ebola. So when we don't have those biohazard bins and we're not told how to dispose of them or how to wear it properly, you know, there were a lot of contradictions with uh, with all of that. Yeah, you like, I'll just take you back to the restrictions. What sort of restriction made you the most 
upset or um, fearful of things on how things were going to turn out? Uh, so it was the lockdown, the three weeks to lockdown. So I think the, the government was quite slow to respond to certain things. Um, and knowing colds and flus, they spread quite fast. So I think they didn't shut down the borders quick enough. And by the time they decided to, it was way too late anyway. So they should have changed their um, t- their tactics, really. Um, what I saw, which was difficult for me, was that the normal patients that I see are from low lower socioeconomics. They are people who live in, you know, shared houses. They have, you know, a family of five living in one room. And I just thought you can't be asking anyone to lock down for three weeks, not allowed to go out, one hour of exercise a day. You can't ask them to lock down in a room like that, um, not even for, you know, two or three days. Um, so I started seeing a disparity in um, the people who were affected. So I still do believe that people who were middle class, uh, you know, who were very privileged, were able to lock down very well. They had their backyard. They were able to spend money on unlimited Internet access, you know, online shopping and all that. But the people who were really disadvantaged really struggled and it did not benefit them at all. No, that's um, 100% true, that, because, like, I live near the seaside. I just live on the east coast, um, Brimsby. So we're right next door to Cleethorpes. And Lovely. that bit of exercise with the, like, the walking and the cycling was so massive in my mental health yeah. to keep me going. And yeah. I, and I said, I couldn't see how people could cope if like, they didn't have a garden or if they just walked and it was just concrete everywhere. Cause I'm like, the other side of us, we've got the walls. So we was really lucky. And plus the weather was quite nice. Yeah. But, yeah. um, Best <laughs> Yeah, but as like you say, if like people were trapped in like a housing block or a family of five, it's going to be really hard on their mental health. Yeah, it was really tough, and you could see the strain on you know parents with young children, um, with no backyards. Like by by week number one, they were tearing their hair out. By week number two, you know, it was just it was horrible to see. They were in tears. <laughs> did like did like you see an up taking like any sort of violence within the family or anything like that so i didn't as a paramedic i heard from uh police officers who we work closely with i did hear that they um uh they had an increased call out of domestic violence and that was heartbreaking and i have a friend who um who volunteers for a children's helpline and she said the calls that she was getting in it was just it was terrible um definitely mm. not not something that's that needs to be repeated at all no, definitely not. So are you still working as a paramedic now then? Luckily, yes. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So like when you go to like see people and like things like that and go out on calls, does like anyone ask you about your vaccination status? Because we see a lot of comments saying, well, I wouldn't want to be seen by an unvaxxed person. Um, I wouldn't want my mum being seen by an unvaxxed person. Has anyone asked you that? And how does that make you feel? No, so no, not a lot of, I think maybe one or two people have asked me about my vaccine status. Um, and not, no one asks me directly because I think they just expect that I'm already vaccinated. Um, and I think they, they really just concern themselves more with the care that they're going to get. 
Um, and I make sure that I protect them as best as I can. Like, I think the biggest way to stop spread of infection is to stay at home when you're sick. Um, and, and I think that was a long time problem in the NHS with, um, with sick leave and such. Um, people, you know, they were, they were so understaffed. Um, the pressure was on staff to come in while sick. And that's why you get, uh, the spread of cold and flu. Um, so, but, but in terms of, uh, patients asking me for my vaccine status, I think the one, it comes up in conversation and I find that, uh, people who are unvaccinated are quite relieved to know that I'm also unvaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> have, have, have you lost any friends or like any family members gone against you through like your decision not to have a vaccine? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I am originally from Melbourne, Australia, and we know how Melbourne is with, uh, Chairman Dan. And, uh, <laughs> so I warned a lot of my friends back home that these vaccines are not your way to freedom, uh, because I do believe that a lot of people took these vaccines because they believed that it would stop restrictions and stop lockdowns. Um, and I warned them back in July about this, and they just think that I'm crazy, that I'm now a right-winged uh, voter, which I ne- never have been. Um, so they don't talk to me anymore because they just they can't deal with the fact that I don't agree with the whole vaccine setting them free. You're a crazy conspiracy theorist now. Conspiracy yes. Theorist. Well, it's not conspiracy when it comes true, you know. And you're also right wing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, where are we? I have got notes. <laughs> um, what's like made you become a, um, like rather a paramedic than going to the nursing sector? Um, I think it was just because I had, um, a lot of paramedics come into some cafes that I worked in and I liked their cool, calm, collected nature. Um, they never flapped and they were just always calm. And I really wanted uh, to learn how to be cool, calm, collected, funnily enough. So it's not about the heroism or, you know, the blood and guts. It's just I wanted to know how to be calm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think their end, end game is with the, like all this? Because like I'd say, most people would agree there's something more going on than just about a virus. Yeah. What's... What's your take on that? And what do you think the end game is? Is it to bring in a social credit cost, um, a social credit score system? Yeah, um, I I'm very resistant to say what is possible because I don't want it to come true. Um, I don't know what their end game is, but it's absolutely illogical and silly to force these vaccines on people. Because I do believe that people know what is best. And if it was a massive pandemic, then we would happily line up for these vaccines. We wouldn't need to be forced with restrictions or like limitations on travel or, you know, being able to go to big concerts. We wouldn't have to apply those things to force people to take a vaccine if it was about health. Um, True. Yeah. And I just I do worry that maybe we are leaning more to a digital ID kind of world. Uh, it, it looks like that is the future. Uh, we are based more around technology. There's Neuralink coming out. There's 
you know, we had the, the trial run with vaccine passports. Everything's electronic now. Um, it's all easily traced and trackable and kept on record and we're, we're surveilled uh, quite readily. Um, so I, I don't know if you've seen Westworld. That's my biggest fear. That uh, uh, I know. No, no, I haven't. But is it about robots? Yeah, so it's about robots and a uh, AI-controlled future. So nobody has choice. It's already decided for them. Yeah, I've always said technology is going to be humanity's downfall. And like even Ted Kaczynski, that was the Unibomb, has always said, yeah. te- like technology would be humanity's yeah. downfall. Yeah. So, yeah. But like saying that, we have got it quite good in England as it stands. And especially with them, I mean, I'm not... But especially with them announcing today that if you get COVID, you test positive, you don't have to go into isolation no more. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a big chart from two years ago when no one could go out. But even if you have this, you can go out. They don't recommend it, but you can go out. And I just find it so strange. It's it's like sort of their narrative has collapsed so fast. Yes. It's it's been really good actually because I think the the brilliant thing about the UK is that people stood really early on. Your freedom fighters were standing in April saying this is not right. We know what's going to happen, and they started making their stand quite early. Um, so I think they did a lot to prevent um, the restrictions that have been occurring in Europe and around the whole world. Um, so thank you to everyone who stood from the very beginning and fought fiercely to stop you know, mandates, vaccine passports, uh, the discrimination and segregation that's occurring. Uh, if it wasn't for the freedom fighters, we would have mandates go through and, you know, the the vaccine-free would be stuck at home, restricted. I mean, it's groups like, it's groups like yourself as, and like, well, and like groups like um, Stand in the Park and Stand Up X. Yeah. It's, and it's all these sort of groups. Um, was, was you a founder of this group then yourself? Uh, yeah, so with NHS 100K, uh, it's myself and I think it was a, there's now 14 of us as core staff who created the group and created everything um, to, to kind of build it up to where it is now. But we were only able to do that with uh, the foundations of uh, groups like Stand Up X and, you know, the White Rose, uh, Stand in the Park, Save Our Rights, Worldwide Demo, all of those groups built the foundations to allow NHS 100K to exist. Um, we definitely would not be here without them. Like they are, honestly, they they are the foundations of us. Yeah, I mean, I um, went to stand in the park if, like a few times, and I've had stand like stand up at, stand up X on <clears throat> twice, I think now, and uh, another one as well. I can't remember the names. It was that long ago. But these last two years, all my podcast has been about is moaning about this, whinging about it, saying something's going to happen. We're all going to get... I mean, I personally think it's a precursor to Mark of the Beast, but that's my own personal view. But um, what's coming, I don't think it's going to be good. But mm. people might say about your group now, and it's not me, this isn't my view, but people might say, if from the mandate's coming in, everything's looking good, what are you fighting for? Because, like, England's going to have everything dropped. I know around the world it's bad. Europe, Austria, Germany history seems to repeat in itself there um australia it's canada some states in america and we've got it really good so people might say well 
why are you fighting? Let them fight their own battles with, you know, what's the point now? Yeah, well, this is the thing. If you don't stand up before it, then, you know, we you allow it to happen. So I think the problem with Europe is that they reacted so late in the game. And that's why they're able to have, you know, mandatory vaccinations for the whole of the society, like in Austria. And they're able to be able to charge uh, more for medical bills of over 60s if they're unvaccinated in Greece. Like like I said, the, the freedom fighters were standing really early on and they knew what was going to happen and they predicted it. And I think they were able to, you know, stop a lot of that coming in. Um, you know, for even though man, vaccine mandates are sort of over, we have the problem of the uh, Human Rights Bill or the Human Rights Act reform into the Bill of Human Rights. True, and I'm going to ask you about that because I'm not too clear on the, like that. But before just taking you back to the mandates ending, it doesn't stop private businesses implementing their own ruling. Because I was going to see a band in Manchester this year called Mayhem, they were black, um, like a black death metal band. Um, but then I just cancelled my ticket. But before I cancelled it, Manchester, I think it's Manchester Academy, they all they already implemented the vaccine passport on the 1st of September. Mm. So, and I, I just don't want to support businesses like um, like that, but what also worries me, the, the like government will drop it all, but will some private businesses? Yeah, so we're, we're struggling a little bit with, not struggling, but we're a bit concerned about what we call backdoor mandates. Um, so Sajid Javid was petitioning the regulatory bodies and the professional bodies to uh, make sure that vaccination is uh, part of our professional standards. But ha- happily, the professional regulatory bodies are unable to enforce it because there are no laws. Um, but that doesn't stop employers from making it a term of employment. And that's where our concern is. Because So what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage our members to say that um, their vaccine status is between uh, yourself and the GP, no one else, um, particularly if your health is going to be used to discriminate. So we're trying to inform them to keep strong in not revealing your vaccine status and really demanding from the employer, where do you need to know uh, my vaccine status? So where in law do you need to know? Because if it's not in law, you are now discriminating. So we're trying to rally people to push against the system and really turn it against them. And we're going to support them in creating discrimination um, cases against employers because it just can't be happening, particularly because uh, Boris Johnson has just recently uh, said, like, most of the restrictions are going to be lifted, which you know indicates that there's no more public health emergency. So if it's manageable, if COVID is manageable, uh, then you don't need to know about a vaccine status and it doesn't need to be a condition of employment. You say condition of employment. Is and like, is there any vaccines that nurses, doctors, paramedics have to have before they start work? Yeah, so we do have recommendations or, uh, you know, required vaccinations. Um, the thing is, you nobody remembers what vaccines they've taken. So you can always take an antibody test. So that's one thing that we need to push as well, that you need to recognise natural immunity in COVID. 
Um, so even though they have these requirements, I've worked, um, you know, my seven years uh, in London without my TB vaccination. I've never been threatened with being fired. Um, I think they, they, they have to realise that this is a risk that we are willing to take. Um, and that, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll take responsibility if we get sick of it. Like, I think their concern is that we're going to sue them for not looking after them, but it's, it's back to being, uh, it's back to having personal responsibility on your health. Um, you oh. need to be able to choose uh, whether you take these vaccines or not, but you definitely shouldn't be threatened with your livelihood. Definitely not, but I don't think there's much, um, self-responsibility about anywhere everyone's quick enough to pass the blame in, yeah. in like this day and age because that's the easy way out um you were on about backdoor like mandates and there was another thing you was mentioning that's um just passed uh what do you sorry so backdoor mandates yep and then oh. again you and before that you was um on about um something that they quietly passed is it something about they could implement vaccines on the Public Health Act? Oh, yeah, like just, um, I think it was just, just keeping your vaccine status private or your health information private. Um, like we were saying earlier with digital ID, there's a blurring of um, your personal information and your work information. Like I, don't, I just don't think that your personal information is anybody's business but your own. And I think work tries to get as much personal information from you as you, as they can for some reason. And maybe it is because with, you know, with the digital ID platform, it's going to be just everywhere you go, you're just scanned and they know everything about you. Um, so I think it's just, um, I don't know. I think that it's the, the condition of, of employment that we can, because there's no legal mandate we can fall back on those equality, the Equality Act or the Discrimination Act, and we can uh, create legal cases against workplaces for discriminating because it should always be about your skills, not about your health. Definitely, because I think there's a law, is it 1974? There's some sort of health act that passed there that people can't be forced medical treatment. Is there any chance the government could push through like a secret mandate or like something that could force a vaccination or medical treatment if it's in the best of like sort of public health interest. Yeah, so that's our, one of our concerns with the pub, uh, so with the human rights reform. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of the human rights reform is trying to put um, more power in the courts, and the court decides what's appropriate and whether your individual right um, is worth more or less than public health or the public interest. So if this goes through, I think one of the concerns is if there is another um, public health emergency and it's deemed that it's in the public interest to be vaccinated, uh, that, you know, they could force uh, vaccine mandates on you. Um, and that's that's the scary thing, because there was something going about a few months ago about um, all these prisons being built. Yeah. Like sort of all these max prisons and that. And it's like, oh, fucking hell, we're not going to go if we don't take this. But now it's not looking like that's the case. But as we've just mentioned, it's really good in England and everything seems to be dropped. And I just think, is is this the calm before the storm? 
is something going to happen? Because, like, government's being sabotaged from left to right. I'm just mm. thinking, is something going to happen? That's <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, it, it could be the calm before the storm, that everything's being lifted so that we're a bit more comfortable and then they can just, you know, sledgehammer something awful in. <laughs> I mean, there's no way they could get away with like locking down again. I don't think they could ever dare try that. No, <laughs> That's what's happened? I think there's too much of a, a resistance, and I think for the freedom fighters anyway, I think we would riot, and I would probably lead that riot. <laughs> I think many people would. What's happening with the group now? What's in, like in the future for them? more protests? Is the more people joining? If like people wanted to join. How would they go about it? Yeah, so at the moment we're just waiting to confirm that these vaccine mandates are completely gone and free. Um, we're still encouraging people to join up because, uh, you know, it's it's about people power because everyone that came to us was saying that they felt so alone and they would have buckled um, if they hadn't have found us. So it's a really good support group at the moment and I think we need that strength to start um to start holding the NHS to account, um, what we're finding is that there's a lot of bullying and harassing and there are good cases for discrimination, uh, legal cases to go through. But, you know, if you do it on your own, it's quite daunting because the NHS is an institution and it's got its own power, it's got its own finances. Um, but if we did everything together as a group, then there's a lot more fear on their side because they don't want us to fall they don't want us to create a group and they don't want us to connect um so if people are interested in joining us uh we can be found online uh so we have a website nhs100k.com um and you can also find us on all social social media platforms so we're on twitter instagram facebook uh, telegram uh, and you just add on NHS 100K. Um, and that's where we share information. We provide support as best we can. Um, but yeah, so it's still going now. <laughs> yeah, you're like not the only one I've heard say about your group, saying that it's helped people along. I've, and I've heard that about groups like Stand Up X and Stand in the Pack, like yeah. things like that. And I think sometimes then groups can be majorly important like for people because people do think, am I the only crazy person that doesn't think what's going on is right? But then you find other people and then yeah. it's everything's get better. Well, thank you for coming on. I will put all your details in the description. Um, again, if anyone wants to come on the podcast, they can. It's a fully free speech, all unedited. It goes on to all podcast platforms. Um, so, yeah, anyone's welcome. Lovely. Thank you very much for having me on. No, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank take, you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 The Team Biscuits Podcast.